This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Magid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Today, Julia has brought a portion of Rich Ring's ashes to the Zendo, which we will keep enshrined on the side altar according to his wishes. The ashes are housed in a small box made by Marv Blaustein. And a, a sad irony, today we're going to add the name of Marvin's brother, Jay, to our service list, since Jay has just been also diagnosed with lung cancer. We wish Jay a full recovery and hope that his illness has been, will be completely treatable. But it is a reminder of what we all face at one time or another, sooner or later. And we naturally ask ourselves, what is practice supposed to do for us in such moments? when we face the illness or death of a loved one or our own illness, the impending death. What does it mean to face these things with equanimity? What does it mean to face them at all? We hear a lot in practice about how life is perfect, just as it is. Are we able to see that perfection when we place our friend's ashes on the altar? When we receive a diagnosis of cancer? Where is the perfection of life then? Does it have any meaning for us at all? I would suggest that if it's not going to be a completely empty word, perfection is a way of talking about deep acceptance of life as it is. A capacity developed after many, many years of practice to simply say yes to the whole of life. as we go along with this practice, I think it manifests itself as a capacity to see that having problems 
having difficulties is not a problem. It's not a sign that there's something wrong with us, that we have done something wrong, or that there's something wrong with life itself. That the things that we call problems or difficulties all inseparable parts of what it means to be alive. And while no one wants to face pain or suffering or impermanence, perhaps our practice eventually allows us to say yes, this is what my life is. This is what everybody's life is. This is what life has always been and has will always be. And perhaps when we're able to accept that this is what life is, we can find some joy in it, even in these dark moments. We find joy in, even in sharing one another's sorrow, find joy in going through this together. I'd like us to end now with nine vows to rich and to life as it is. It tends to have gotten a bad press in a lot of Zen circles where it's sort of considered, you know, just sort of common people's Buddhism. You sort of pray to be reborn in the pure land, and if you just have faith and recite the Buddha's name, you will be reborn there in another life. And this is sort of, you know, traditionally, by some people, considered a kind of... um, much less uh, rigorous or deep kind of practice. Uh, but the potter said actually that uh, his, his old Rinzai Zen teacher uh, had great respect for Pure Land teachers and thought that they had uh, something that was often missing in, uh, in Zen, which is that side of surrender and faith, right? that it's not all about my doing something uh, in this kind of uh, sometime macho elitist uh, way as if um, 
nature of life and death is going to be revealed only to spiritual triathletes, you know, who can do this incredible intense practice for decades, right? And is not not available to common folks, right? But since we all live and die, I have a feeling that uh, what it all means is as accessible to anybody as anybody else. Um, in any case, I was thinking about all this, having a conversation with someone else who also somebody who sort of wrote to me out of the blue, uh, who had practiced Zen for many years, but had uh, really been plagued by the sense of never quite having gotten there, never did it right, feeling like after all these years my mind is still wandering, I can't ever concentrate the way I think I'm supposed to, and so forth and so on. And it's a... Um, it was a picture of somebody who had, you know, very much that sense of Zen is a matter of habit and discipline and effort, uh, but sort of stuck with a chronic core belief of, uh, I can't get it right, I'm not good enough. Um, I don't try hard enough, my mind just isn't uh, the way it should be. Uh, it's not working for me the way it works for everybody else, right? Maybe even some of you have had that thought once in a while. And it's really a, an example of the whole pitfall that it's easy to fall in if you think of this as a matter of uh, a disciplined practice that you can do well or badly at. And for somebody who's stuck there, the first thing they have to be able to do is see that the problem is not foremost their wandering mind, but their judging mind. Right? It doesn't really make so much difference if you sit and daydream about what you're going to have for lunch. Right? Maybe you're wasting a little time, but it's harmless. Uh, what really is <coughs> terribly painful and causes this whole life of suffering is to sit there and say, oh my God, I'm thinking about lunch. What a failure I am, you know? Those thoughts are the ones that are really messing you up, not the thoughts about, you know, the banana. Right? Uh, and to practice is to really, first of all, see them all as exactly equal. It's all just thoughts. Uh, and the first step has to be, you know, seeing that, oh, what a failure I am, is just an empty thought the same way as, uh, boy, I can't wait to have that banana for lunch. Uh, in a certain sense, it just doesn't matter at all if you have either one of those thoughts. They're just thoughts. Um, they no more contaminate your mind or ruin your practice and the fact that there's a dog barking in the garden, right? It's not like, oh my God, if that doesn't, dog doesn't stop barking, how am I ever going to have a peaceful, calm sitting the way I'm supposed to, right? If we let anything intrude and spoil things, you know, it's, uh, we've already made the, the, the split. It doesn't really matter whether we sit and complain about 
the city not being quiet enough to truly meditate or whether we sit and complain that our mind isn't quiet enough to truly meditate. Uh, we have to sit in the midst of it all. And to do that, you really need the, the surrender side, not the control side. Yeah. You have to be able to let everything just pass through you like sounds from the street, sights through the window, whatever metaphor you like. In some ways, I would much, you know, I mean, it, there's sort of two ditches as usual in all these things, you know, but in some way, I would rather people just sit in the zendo, daydream their life away if they're happy doing it. I have no problem, you know, I mean... <laughs> that's what you want to do be my guest you know it it's worse somehow to, to to torture yourself with oh my god I'm not doing this right I'm not doing this right am I there yet right I'm trying so hard that uh, that's a shame a bigger shame than the person who just sits and thinks about lunch um, you can eventually get sort of bored with thinking about lunch and you know you you I, I think that uh, those kinds of distracting thoughts tend to go away when we're just tired of them, when we actually feel like, um, well, I've paid enough attention to that. I actually might as well, as long as I'm here, just sit. <laughs> right? But it, it happens in, a, in an atmosphere of deep acceptance and permission to just be yourself. Just look in the mirror. Um, there's so many more dangerous pitfalls in a way in, in that model of um, making heroic efforts that uh, are always falling short and always failing um, the old uh, poet of Pure Land Buddhism uh, Harold Stewart said that um, really uh, it's a wonderful deep practice but first you should do everything else and, and, and when they've failed <laughs> when you've when you've come to the conclusion that you're not going to be one of those great spiritual triathletes who has uh, you know the, the big satori of the century uh, if, you, if you're not a reincarnation of Hakuin uh, maybe you should just sit down and do something simple right? Just recite the name of Buddha. Trust that that's enough. Trust that who you are is enough. <laughs>